We're going to do our conference today at 9, and uh, we've got a few things left on the table. I know there's a lot of things out there, but I'll give you a little hint. There's only a few things we're going to finish off. Our goal is to do the payroll, unemployment, SGR, docs fix in one, and um, hopeful that we get the approps conference all done. There's two that still need to be finished, labor and HHS. Um, our goal is to have all those done. I know we've called them mini buses. That bus is a little bigger, but try to get that through. The one thing I want to look at, and we'll go through all this, if we're able to get the approps all the way through, this is what the freshmen don't understand. It is a new day. We haven't had a conference in, what, four years? The whole time the Dems were in the majority. We're trying to get back on regular order. If we're able to accomplish that, next year we don't have CRs, government being ready to shut down in the middle of our process, and we can get moving. What's going to transpire if you watch, the Dems think they have a little advantage over what we have left to do, the payroll and unemployment. Um, we're frustrated by it, too. We're in December. You know, no good legislation comes out in December time, and it progresses as we go further. So we'll have a conference here at 9, figure a way that we're getting to 218, move it out. Can't rely upon the Senate to get anything to us, so um, maybe the timing works that the Senate accepts what we send them. We'll soon find out, but that's where we'll go. But let me give you a little, conver let me give you a little talk about how we're moving. I do think the growth of your group also is the growth of um, our majority. We're in much better shape than we have thought in the past. And we have to remember where we've come. Just think two years ago. I remember when I was uh, very first elected in 2006, I came to the Ripon Society, and we met at Bull Feathers. And I think the room went from that camera here, and there were like two tables. And Time Magazine had, should the Republican Party change their name? Where should we go from? And that was a time where in the Weekly Standard did a little story on a guy named Paul Ryan, Eric Cantor, and myself, and the young guns got created. Um, and we have a philosophical belief. You take the conservative principles, but you apply them to a solution instead of just saying no, and you move it forward. And in the last election, 63 Democrats lost, and 61 of them were young gun candidates. I'll tell you, the freshmen are not the difficulty in this process. And what's unique about these freshmen is none of them sit there and say, oh, I need to get reelected. And that's the normal thing most every friend. They're just saying, we need to change this country. And that's a uniting force inside. The biggest challenge we have as a whip are from the conference itself. Members that have been here a long time and they accumulated a lot of votes and they go back home, they're feeling the pressure of something they voted on eight years ago. And they're wondering where to be and they have the difficulty. We have redistricting going on. Um, that's creating some difficulty between the members themselves. But I will tell you from all different aspects, um, I was at, we were at conference here yesterday, and members getting frustrated in December. I said, look, I was talking to a good friend of mine, a Democrat on the other side, and I asked them about their conference, and they were complaining more. They thought they were losing, so we were in good shape from that perspective. But give you a little, give you a little scenario. You know, I come from California. Nancy Pelosi's from California. We really don't get along very well. And we have a unique, unique relationship. Remember, I came in in 06. She became speaker. Uh, I did recruitment. She's no longer speaker. So there's not a, love, a lot of love for me. Um, and I call our relationship the Seinfeld relationship. You ever watch Seinfeld? Remember Jerry had this neighbor called Newman? Okay. And he'd always say, hello, Newman. 
Well, that's what Nancy does to me. She always says, hello, Kevin. <laughs> and remember the president, he um, had this joint session. So anytime there's a joint session on jobs, I don't know, what is it, two months ago, two, three months ago? Whenever that, you have an escort committee that goes in and meet and greets and escorts who's ever the speaker out. And that's usually made up of the House, Senate, leadership, and some other people, whoever the leaders invite. And we go inside a room and we say hi to the president, and then we line up and we kind of walk out in order. So normally Eric will start walking with the president and I walk with um, Nancy and, and Harry Reid. And this was September, so it was just the end of August, and so we get in line and Nancy walks up and says, hello, Kevin. <laughs> and I'm trying to be nice. And remember, we had two special elections later that week. So she kind of harassed me when she was in the majority. So I asked her how her break was, and she was telling me about her travels, and she said she had gone to Nevada. Now, remember, we had a special in Nevada, and we were up by 20 points, and I think all of our campaign ads had Nancy Pelosi in them. <laughs> so I asked her, oh, was she out there campaigning for her uh, candidate? She, no, she quickly, no, I was not. I was not. I was in Las Vegas. I never went in that district. She didn't want to take claim for it. And we had wiener seats. So I asked her, I said, well, Nancy, you guys just put a half a million into the New York race. I didn't even know it was close. You know, you only had it for 90 years. Is it really that close? So she's getting a little frustrated with me. I'm being a jerk. And we're walking down to go to the floor. And she starts looking behind, you know. And I think she's just trying to change the subject. So I said, well, Nancy, is something wrong? She goes, well, Kevin. You know, I always invite a freshman to be in the escort committee, and I'm just trying to see if the freshman is here. I said, well, Nancy, you can do that. You only have nine. We can't. We have 87. <laughs> so knowing how large our freshman class is, we've come a long way. I will tell you the one thing I continue to see is we will not get out of this problem just by cutting. We have to grow this economy. And if you look at this presidential campaign, the thing that the country is so hungry for are two things, a leader that leads and a tax policy that unshackles what holds us back. We are in 1980 more so than I've ever seen historically. Go back to 1980 and look at the factors. We had a big conflict with Iran. We still have a big challenge with Iran. We have an energy crisis. We have oil at a high place. We have resources that we could actually capture here in America, and we're fighting and not allowed to be able to get them. We had a challenge for the first time in 1980 when you polled, will this generation be better off than the generation before it? For the first time, it hit 50%. Now it hits an all-time high. You had a question of whether the best days were behind us or in front of us. You had a challenge to whether our foreign policy was strong or not. You had unemployment. I mean, I, I still remember as a young kid, it's whether you, when you could get gasoline was based upon whether you ended in an odd or an even that day. You had television shows that the fear that Japan was going to surpass us in our economy. Those were big challenges, were they not? But the thing that we had in 1980 we didn't have now, we had inflation. We were fighting the communists in the Soviet Union. Today, we fight them in occupying our parks. It's a uniqueness. 
But what I think is transpiring from 1980 and today is a battle that's hinging up to the 2012 election. If you look back in history, you will find we are in the third of a waves election. In 08, the country did say they wanted change, and they did say they wanted government to do more. They just didn't say how much. In 2010, they said government has done too much, and they made another change. 2012 is going to be the fight for the heart and soul of the size and scope of what we want government and America to be. Now, I'm one that wants that fight. I think we're poised for it. I think we have to have it. When I grew up in Bakersfield, I grew up on the wrong side of town. I was a smart aleck, as you can tell. And I got in a few fights. Every fight that I got into in the playground where the teacher broke up beforehand, where it wasn't decided, I had to fight again. You had to determine who won and who lost. If we do not have this fight and win, we will not have the ability to fight it again later. You'll have too many people living off government. We will not be. We will become that socialist, democratic, European country that many on the other side desire it, it to be. So I think we're poised in the right place. Look, in 1980, we were able to accomplish it. Maybe we don't have a Reagan sitting out there, but I think this freshman class is pretty much Reagan-esque. I also think one of these candidates need to rise to the occasion. I may be a little simplistic from where I come from, but I think there's only two types of presidential leaders. You're either a thermometer or a thermostat. The president is a thermometer. What does a thermometer do for you? It tells you one thing, the temperature. Everybody in the room already knows what the temperature is, but he gets to be the leader because he says it. He can't change the temperature. He doesn't have any other skill set than everybody else sitting in the room, and that's all you get. He leads from behind. A thermostat is a Reagan, a Winston Churchill. It will tell you it's 100 degrees in this room, and I know you're uncomfortable. We will get you to 72. But you're also going to have to do certain actions. And when you do these actions, you're still going to be hot at 98. Going to have to do something else? You're still going to be warm at 96. And the press is going to press you for why you haven't solved it yet. We'll eventually get there. That is what we're hungry for. And the way to be able to do that, take it right to the people. Fight for what the country should stand for. Don't back away. And don't pick a decision based upon politics. Let's start picking them on policy. This is the time that the American people want it. This is why Chris Christie is so popular. Did you watch his latest debate in his town hall meeting with a guy that says he, he makes his staff pepper people with questions? I loved his answer. If I did that, why would I have asked you to ask a question? You know, it's a direct answer of where they go. And lots of times you only hear from Washington what is wrong with the country. Look, when I was in graduate school, I always did what were SWOT analysis. You ever do them? The strength, weakness, assets, and threats. So we know what our threats are. But if you ever stop to look, what position are we in to accomplish and overachieve our? Look at your assets. We are the largest economy in the world. We have the greatest form of government in our Constitution. The power rests with the people. They can change it without one shot being fired. We have the strongest military in any time. Uniqueness was, you don't quite realize the greatness of the country until you travel to another. This summer, I took a group of like 30 freshmen to Israel. And we're meeting with Sharon Perez. And he speaks very softly, but uh, he has some unbelievable things. He says, you know, you come from a great nation. 
unlike any others in society has ever been. Because you're willing to risk the ultimate sacrifice for someone else to have freedom and liberty. But what makes America great is not what it takes, but what it gives. You know how strong that is to hear a leader of another country say that about your nation and how they look at it? And sometimes you forget that. We do not create refugees, we still accept them. We can become energy independent. We have the resources to do it, it's just whether we want to tap them. If you're wealthy and you live in another country, you still want to send your children here for their education and you still want to come here for your health care. That is a very good starting point. And I do not believe the plan that the president has to divide the nation is what we normally elect people. We don't elect people by being dividers, we elect people that unite us actually. He did that in the last election, yes we can. But his numbers are so low he wants to divide us. That's part of the problem with the House. He's running against the House. That's a Truman-style campaign, but that won't sustain itself once we pick our nominee. It'll be mano a mano. I think our battles are going to continue to grow, but I hope next year, when we get done with this year, is all about the size and scope of what government and what the whole part of America should be. And the only way we'll get that is a brand new tax policy that unshackles what holds us back. And the only thing that poised it even greater, when I, when I first became whip, the president called to ask us down for lunch, Boehner and Cantor. So we go down there to lunch. You have to understand, I haven't been to the White House very often in my life outside of a Christmas party. So we go to this little room right outside the Oval Office. My first thought is there's no teacher I ever had thought I could be in this room. <laughs> You ever want to tweet your third grade teacher? Ah. So we sit down. It's the president. It's Boehner. It's Cantor. I got the short straw, so I'm next to Biden, right? So, and in this room, there's no teleprompter. There's no press. We're just having a conversation. We're a new. He wants to build a relationship. We want to build a relation. We're having a very open, frank about the challenges. And I always try to figure out where someone's coming from. I have a philosophical belief when you get past 40, your philosophy and principles are based upon your life experiences. It's no longer what you read in a book, it's what you've experienced. And you believe it because you have experienced it. Well, my background from a small business, working through legislative and others, that's my background. When I look at the president, he's been a secretary of state, I mean, he's been a, a state senator, he's been a community organizer, He's worked in the labor union amendment, and he's been an attorney. No disrespect for any of those occupations. They're all very worthy occupations. But there is one thread that goes through all of them. They all redistribute wealth. They don't create wealth. So when he sat there and challenged it based upon my principles and his, he thinks the world's only this big, and he thinks the world is unfair. So he thinks his role is to change the slices of the pie. Well, I agree with him the world's this big, but I think you grow the pie then. You make the economy larger to solve the problem instead of limiting what somebody can have. And that's the fundamental principle of the differences what we have, and I think that's what we will battle over. It's going to be a good battle, and I think it's worthy. The other thing, you know, what was it? I never know how the week. Was it last week? It was Winston Churchill's anniversary of his birthday. Remember what Winston Churchill said about America? You can always count on Americans to do what's right after they exhausted every other option. <laughs> well, we have done that. It feels like a malaise for quite some time, but I think America is poised. 2012 will 
either be the mark of the great American comeback or our slow fade into history. Now, you belong to an unbelievable group that does great work. You, you toil in a business about government trying to make it better, where your approval rating is always low. I think for the first time, ours is lower than yours. I understand that. But you've got to think from where I come from. I come from a small town. Cesar Chavez is buried in my town. In my district, Cesar Chavez is buried. The diversity of what I represent, from agriculture to energy and oil to aerospace to winery. It is a cross-section. It is a microcosm of America. I grew up in a family of all Democrats, but I was always a Republican. And you know the day that clicked on me? It wasn't my parents sitting me down. It was watching an action of a president of Jimmy Carter. He put a sweater on, he turned down the heater, and he said the best days of this country were behind it, and we had to accept it. Another guy got up to a podium like this and he said, no pastels, let's fly the bold colors and go to that shiny city on the hill. I didn't know either men, but I knew who I wanted to follow. Now, he, Reagan never had to tell me that shiny city on the hill was America. I knew what that was. He never had to tell me what that light beamed. I knew the freedom and liberty, and I knew it went beyond from California to D.C. I knew it went beyond the Berlin Wall. It's the, the best of America. Now, there's probably not one of you in the room that doesn't disagree that's America, but is there anybody in this room that doesn't believe that that light's been dimmed a little? So our task is not to do this alone, it's to join together, it's to climb that mountain and recharge that light. It's not an easy task, though. This is not a hill, this is a big mountain. It won't take us in one day or one night. It won't take us one bill. I was in the high school the other day, and it, we were talking about where America has stumbled. And literally, this one student asked me, the failure of capitalism in America to the success of communism in China as a model. I said, you know, we didn't get in this problem overnight, and I like to compete. Yeah, I like sports. I, I play my politics like I play my sports. They're all contact. And I asked the, the student what he did, and he, he happened to be a swimmer. I said, well, let me give you an analogy that maybe you can understand better. If you pick America to show that this has been an incremental climb, it's kind of like boiling the frog since the great society forward. And that's why I want the fight in 2012, because we'll lose it if it gets too far. Let's say America's a swimmer, and we're competing with every country in the world. We go to jump in the pool after World War II. Not only do we win, we're out of the pool and dried off before second and third even show up. And we say as a country, you know, America, you need to wear a 10-pound weight. We jump back in the pool and we win. You know, you ought to wear a 50-pound weight. We still win. We get a 100-pound weight pretty soon, second and third, not far behind us. Today, we finally tell them we have to put on a 300-pound weight, and we don't win. But no one says take off the weight belt. We just say America doesn't swim like they used to. We have to reflect what we have done to ourselves. Yes, it's like 1980. But when we unshackled, Japan never caught us. But you know the difference between 1980 and today? We were not in a global economy in 1980. There were two Berlins. China was not opened up. The Soviet Union was still there. But we never changed our policy to allow us to compete. So today, not only do we wear a 300-pound weight, 
we don't even get to start when everybody else starts. So either we decide we want to compete on the same starting line, or we're going to have a big challenge. Now, I think as we climb this mountain, it'll take us a few days. I can map it out the exact time, put my Garmin to it, and you know when we hit the top? November 2012. I do believe we maintain the house. Most inside baseball you can take of looking at uh, the house, retirements. 17 Democrats have retired. My goal last year in recruitment was try to get 15 to retire. Historically, you do not switch the house with this side of the difference in a presidential election. The focus just won't be there. And I don't think they ever were able to accomplish, get back the majority as long as Pelosi is their leader. The country asks for something new. The Senate, I think the Republicans capture. The how, uh, I mean the presidency is totally in play. Only two presidents have ever come back from the numbers of where this president is at. One was Reagan, and he had an economy and a policy that got him there. Clinton, Clinton did it twice with never getting 50%. So if otherwise get third parties, it's not going to work. So I think we got big challenges. This month will tell a lot. This month will also show that uh, Republicans in the House unite because I don't think the Dems will help us one bit. Um, but it's the battle that's going to start the call. If you watch the president in Kansas, I think he's beginning to lay out his framework of what he wants, and he also wants the fight as well. And I think it's a worthy fight. So I appreciate the breakfast, and I'll open it up for questions. That's all right.